Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Campylobacter jejuni found under the microbiology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 53-year-old woman presents to an urgent care clinic for diarrhea and abdominal cramping for the past two days. She reports having a subjective fever with nausea and frequent watery diarrhea that is occasionally bloody. She recently went on a backpacking trip throughout Southeast Asia and returned five days ago. On exam, she has dry mucous membranes and her abdomen is soft, non-tender, and non-distended. She has started on intravenous hydration and a stool culture is sent. Given her recent travel history, she has started on appropriate antibiotics. Let's continue with an introduction to Campylobacter jejuni. As a reminder, Campylobacter jejuni is classified as a comma or S-shaped oxidase-positive gram-negative rod with a polar flagella, and it grows at 42 degrees Celsius. Transmission is via the fecal-oral route, and it causes watery or bloody diarrhea. In terms of the epidemiology, this is the most common cause of bacterial diarrhea in the United States. Demographically, it affects children more often than adults. Risk factors include travel, undercooked poultry or meat, unpasteurized dairy products, contact with infected domestic animals, and acid reflux medications such as proton pump inhibitors. In terms of the pathogenesis, it invades the gastrointestinal tract mucosa and disseminates. With regards to the prognosis, symptoms occur one to three days after exposure and the disease is usually self-limited. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms may include fever, abdominal cramps, diarrhea that can be watery or bloody with pus, frequent stools, and nausea. On exam, one may note weight loss and signs of dehydration. In terms of further studies, a stool culture is the gold standard for diagnosis, but when making the diagnosis, remember that this is based on clinical presentation and laboratory studies. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about enteroinvasive Escherichia coli infection. Distinguishing factors include this is clinically very similar, but it presents more frequently with bloody diarrhea, and it can be distinguished based on culture or polymerase chain reaction. In terms of treatment, the mainstay of treatment is supportive care as the disease is usually self-limited. This is indicated for all patients, and specific modalities include intravenous hydration and electrolyte repletion. Medical options include azithromycin. This is indicated for severe infections or for those suspected of traveler's diarrhea, as the likelihood of a bacterial infection such as Campylobacter jejuni is high. And lastly, complications related to Campylobacter jejuni include reactive arthritis, previously known as Reiter syndrome. This presents with a classic triad of conjunctivitis, urethritis, and arthritis. Another complication is Guillain-Barre syndrome. This is due to antigenic cross-reactivity between Campylobacter oligosaccharides and glycosphingolipids on neural tissues. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Campylobacter jejuni, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 10-year-old boy is brought into the emergency room by his parents after he complained of being very weak during a soccer match the same day. The parents noticed that yesterday, the patient seemed somewhat clumsy during soccer practice and was tripping over himself. Today, the patient fell early in his game 
and complained that he could not get back up. The patient is up to date on his vaccinations and has no previous history of illness. The parents do report that the patient had abdominal pain and bloody diarrhea the previous week, but the illness resolved without antibiotics or medical attention. The patient's temperature is 100.9 degrees Fahrenheit, or 38.3 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 110 over 68. Pulse is 84 beats per minute, and respirations are 14 breaths per minute. On exam, the patient complains of tingling sensations that seem reduced in his feet. He has no changes in vibration or proprioception. Achilles and patellar reflexes are 1 plus bilaterally. On strength testing, foot dorsiflexion and plantar flexion are 3 out of 5, and knee extension and knee flexion are 4 minus out of 5. Hip flexion, hip extension, and upper extremity strength are intact. Based on this clinical history and physical exam, what pathogenic agent could have been responsible for the patient's illness? And the answer choices are Choice 1 gram-positive bacillus. Choice 2. Gram-negative, oxidase-positive bacillus. Choice 3. Gram-negative, oxidase-positive, comma-shaped bacteria. Choice 4. Gram-negative, oxidase-negative, bacillus with hydrogen sulfide gas production. Or choice 5. Gram-negative, oxidase-negative bacillus without hydrogen sulfide gas production. The best answer to this question is choice 3, gram-negative, oxidase-positive, comma-shaped bacteria. Campylobacter jejuni is a gram-negative, oxidase-positive, comma-shaped bacteria that presents with gastroenteritis and can be associated with Guillain-Barre syndrome. Campylobacter enteritis can result from eating undercooked poultry or unpasteurized milk and can be transmitted through person-to-person -person contact. The prodrome includes fever, headache, and myalgias, which is then followed by abdominal pain and often bloody diarrhea. Rehydration is the focus of medical treatment, and antibiotics may be indicated in certain circumstances, although they may not shorten the duration of illness. Campylobacter infection is one of the most common risk factors for Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is an autoimmune, ascending, rapid-onset paralysis. GBS begins with weakness in the extremities, but can more acutely affect breathing and autonomic regulation. The symptoms develop over hours to weeks. Other risk factors for GBS include influenza, cytomegalovirus, and Epstein-Barr virus. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Gram-positive bacilli includes bacillus, clostridium, carinibacterium, and listeria. Several of these, such as bacillus cereus, clostridium difficile, and listeria monocytogenes can result in gastroenteritis and diarrhea. However, these are rarely bloody and are not associated with GBS. Choice 2. Gram-negative, oxidase-positive bacilli include pseudomonas. While Campylobacter is also gram-negative and oxidase-positive, it is comma-shaped and not rod-shaped. Choice 4. Gram-negative, oxidase-negative bacilli with hydrogen sulfide gas production include Salmonella typhi and other Salmonella species. Gastroenteritis is usually caused by non-typhoidal Salmonella, which can result in a bloody diarrhea. However, this is not associated with GBS. Choice 5. Gram-negative, oxidase-negative bacilli without hydrogen sulfide gas production include Shigella. Shigella can also cause a bloody diarrhea, but it is not associated with GBS.
Finally, a bullet summary. Campylobacter jejuni gastroenteritis is due to a gram-negative, oxidase-positive bacteria and is a common risk factor for Guillain-Barre syndrome. That's all for this review about Campylobacter jejuni. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.